Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Retro Anime Podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I'm here with Lewis. Hello. Greetings. How are we doing? Oh, you know, lockdown and it up. <laughs> it's uh, Things are kind of like strangely half easing up in Ireland while cases are getting worse again. So we might just U-turn and go right back to March any day now. Yeah, so having come out of lockdown, the R number and the number of cases is now kind of steadily increasing. So um, we're we're yeah. now into new restrictions in the UK as well. So yeah, fun, fun, yeah. fun. But enough about <laughs> that. You hear about that everywhere. Yes, we're here to talk about Doraemon. We are here to talk about Doraemon. So, yes, this is um, something I've wanted to talk about for a while. And given that this year is the uh, 50th anniversary since its inception as a manga, then uh, I thought it, you know, it was the, the right time to talk about it. So what is Doraemon? So Doraemon is an earless blue robotic cat who is sent back from the 22nd century to help hapless Nobita get on the right track in the 20th century. Doraemon, he he's kind of like this helper, and he has this magic pocket on his sort of belly that contains everything imaginable, and he creates this special drawer in Nobita's desk that allows him to travel through time. It started as a manga in 1970, created by Hiroshi Fujimoto and Mutu Abiko, who worked under the pen name of Fujiko Fujio. In animated form, it started as a 26-episode TV series in 1973, but it wasn't very well received due to the way that Nobita's and Doraemon's characters had been changed, and it was cancelled. Uh, it didn't complete its original run. Um, it's actually impossible to find because it was never released on home video, so it's kind of literally impossible to find home video copies or clips or anything of it. In 1979, a second TV adaptation started that was produced by the fledgling Shin Ae Animation Studio. That became incredibly popular and that led to the sort of massive amount of popularity that Doraemon has today. Known as the Uyama edition after the voice actress who voiced Doraemon, it ran for a massive 1,787 episodes from the 2nd of April 1979 to the 18th of March 2005 and it also spawned 30 specials and started a theatrical run of movies that started in March 1980 and continues to run to today so there was a Doraemon movie scheduled for March of this year but it didn't get released until August due to the uh, coronavirus pandemic but it still went to number one in the Japanese movie charts like it like most of the uh, Doraemon films do so um, still massively popular 
A third series started in March 2005 with a completely new voice cast that is still running today. It's actually incredibly popular in India, where it has been the highest rated children's TV show for the last few years. In the last five years, it has got a release on Disney XD and Boomerang in the UK, but it generally hasn't had a great deal of home video releases in the West, which, to be honest, is uh, something that's always surprised me. So today, we're going to just look at the first three theatrical movies that were released in 1980, 1981 and 1982, and, and started that long run of theatrical movies. We actually, Craig did ask this question, uh, my co-host of the Retro Mecca podcast, but it was something I was going to cover. So where did you first hear of Doraemon Lewis? I have just always seen him floating around in, I guess, online media forums. Yeah. Um, when I was playing, when I was like in my younger years and playing, uh, I guess, CS 1.6 or I was on Gary's Mod and things like that, uh, We everything was like communities and everything were on forums. And we all had these little flash footer signatures at the end of your forum like posts that kind of like told you who you were. And there were people who used to have like Final Fantasy ones. I used to have yeah. the Freeman one that was animated, had my Steam name. And other people oh, right. like, I remember seeing from different forums having Doraemon on their, uh, their avatars. So that's when I first saw the character. I had no idea really what it was or what it was about um, until a few years later when I, I saw it uh, floating around in, in other media circles. Yeah, I saw it, again, I kind of saw it floating about, it's an image I saw probably very early 2000s, um, possibly before that. It was familiar, and then there was an article on Anime News Network, probably 2001, 2-ish or something that, that's kind of when I first learned who this character was and and started um, to kind of learn a bit more about it. But I'd never actually seen anything at that point. Again, some of the the anime wasn't easily available. Um, I did, maybe in the late thousands, um, I did watch a few TV episodes on on you know various fan subs and stuff just to kind of watch it and understand a little bit what it was about. Um, but I never kind of delved in too much about it. Um, it was quite funny actually when I was working at Xerox and and. We, I used to go out to um, our factory in southern Malaysia quite regularly. Um, there was a manufacturing engineer who worked there called uh, Ku Jin Wen, and she was an absolutely massive Doraemon fan. Um, and to be honest, she and that was, I mean, that was probably sort of 2007, eight ish. Um, and I learned a lot about her because she had, you know, Doraemon. Um, mobile phone case and you know things on her desk and used to meet up in the evening with her and you know and uh you know she'd be in a Doraemon t-shirt and stuff it was yeah she was like I was quite surprised by that yeah 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 like one heavy fan (laughs) yeah she was really really into it uh she was quite a big anime fan but uh Doraemon you know, she was just massively into it. And actually, I was quite surprised, you know, when we were in Japan earlier in the year, actually how much um, you kind of spotted him about in places. Mm. Um, you know, it was just, there was a bit of a presence in and around on, on posters and things you used to just see in shops, you know, yeah, um, his, sort of merchandise. Yeah, yeah, his head popping up on different things. A lot of uh, 
uh, billboards and stuff, or mostly yeah. posters, I think, of just uh, the movie that was coming out. I remember yeah, seeing. and just yeah, merchandise and little bits of advertising, and uh, you know, it was just there was as the yeah, it was kind of embedded almost quite yeah. subtly, and but but you know, it was it was it was a fairly common presence. Again, kind of what spurred me was saying actually we must talk about Doraemon this year, you know, being the fiftieth anniversary. So. Um, mm-hmm. So today we're going to do our reviews um, ever so slightly differently um, in that we're going to um, talk about these three films kind of as a whole, really. Um, And part of the reason for that is essentially the structure of these films is almost identical. Uh, You know, it's they have a very, very common structure. Um, They're so fast paced. They are very fast paced. Um, So... Typically, what happens is is that Nabita finds something in the first twenty minutes, and that kind of starts the adventure. Yeah, um, well, it's, 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 it's usually like resolved in the first twenty minutes, <laughs> and then and then they're, they're like they just go cause effect resolution, cause effect resolution. They fit like five of those in. <laughs> but it starts an adventure, doesn't it? And it does typically yeah. in a new world. And what happens is they go back and forth. Um, between that new world and their home life. Um, and then they get kind of stuck in that new world, facing lots of dangers and challenges before yeah. helping whoever they've had to go to that new world to help solve. They sort of sort it out and then they come home and there's a happy ending. Yeah. Um, it's timeless storytelling. It it's, is timeless it, storytelling. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like I feel the same way I like you look at it and go, this is not a 19... 19- 80s cartoon this is not a cartoon <laughs> yeah this is not a, what i meant to say is it's not it doesn't feel like you're watching it in the 1980s i could easily have watched you know that on cartoon network when i was in you know in the mid 2000s and still think yes this is this fits in right next to everything else yeah um it's 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 a the way it tells its story is almost very it's very similar to the circle storytelling that um uh, Dan Harmon uses in Rick and Morty. Oh right, um, okay. And it's just like their whatever they do. The two the two main characters in this case, which is you know uh, Nobita and Doraemon, uh, their cause and effect on everything else. Yeah, uh, and it keeps revisiting their problems and stuff like that, and like keeps tying those in. So they have like a cascading effect on other people, while it just keeps wrapping those stories up very quickly and keeps that interest. It's very very interesting. Yeah, because it's because this is one of those franchises that's kind of you know forty, fifty years down the road is kind of impenetrable almost because mm. let's say nearly two thousand TV episodes and forty movies and thirty you know thirty odd TV specials. It's it's so yeah. much to consume. It's like difficult, and the, the movies just felt like a good jumping in point to try and understand a little bit you know this especially as this was when it was on its real ascendancy of popularity um in japan Mm. and you know if you can imagine where this the first movie started there'd been something like 200 tv episodes because it started in april 79 i think and it ran for five days a week basically so yeah yeah you know there was something like close to 200 episodes or so before 
this movie came out and there'd been about eight TV specials. So there'd been an awful lot of this anime yeah. on the telly uh, before the movie even came out. And what impresses me is like, the, the, it's just such a trove of creativity. Mm. It just, it doesn't care. <laughs> and it also feels the need to justify it all as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, in the, I'm just going to cut ahead to the third movie when uh, the dog is giving his backstory. Yeah. And then it's like, and that, by the way, is how I learned to speak Japanese. <laughs> and you're like, you really didn't need to justify that because I'm going to take everything as, you know, as verbatim. Like, like it feels a need to explain even its craziest ideas. Yeah, it's yeah. like, there's a science behind this. There's logic behind this. It's got more bloody plot twists than an M. Like Shyamalan movie and, and more, yeah, yeah. more plot points than fucking Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. You know, it's 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 all over the shop, but I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, so I think at this point, I think it's probably good to maybe give a, a brief synopsis of the three films, just so you know yeah, the yeah. points that you you make there. So the first film, uh, the original movie released in 1980, was called Nabita's Dinosaur. It was actually directed by Hiroshi Fukutomi, who we've talked about before on this podcast. Um, because he directed the Battle Angel Alita OVA and he did the Lensman TV series. We reviewed the movie in the first episode and he's directed a load of other TV shows that no one would have ever heard of. So in this film, the beta finds um, a dinosaur egg by accident and with the help of Doraemon's tools, they hatch the egg and begin raising the dinosaur. And knowing that they can't keep it forever, uh, Doraemon forces Nabita to send it back to prehistoric times. But... Back in that time, there's a group of dinosaur hunters that uh, endanger the dinosaurs. So basically, Doraemon and the gang, Nabita and the gang, have to save the dinosaurs from the hunters, and then they end up coming back. The second movie is called The Records of Nabita's Space Blazer. So this was 1981, directed by Hideo Nishimaki. He didn't do very much else, actually, apart from a load of, uh, again, a load of TV stuff, that most people wouldn't have heard of. So in this film, Nabita is having a weird dream about a boy called Ropel and his strange companion Chami traveling through space. And by a strange twist of fate, he meets them in person when it turns out that they are real and there's a portal underneath his uh, the floor in his bedroom. And they basically have to go to Ropel's planet and help free Ropel's planet from... Um, a load of oppressors. And then the third film, Nabita in the Haunts of Evil, uh, 1982 movie, again directed by Hideo Nishimaki. Uh, Nabita finds a strange dog and brings him home. Little does he know, the dog is actually a prince in his homeland, a world apart deep in the African smokers' forest, in inverted commas, where the dogs evolved and had their own empire. So he and his friends take on a journey to take back the young prince to his homeland where they have to help get things changed. So that's kind of the premise of the three films. But as I said before, they all follow the the same structure. But but you're absolutely right, Lewis. You know, they all <laughs> they go through this thing. They're completely self-contained. Yeah, they're absolutely mad. I think the yeah. power the power of them is the fact that they perfectly encapsulate, I guess, child's imagination. Yeah. You know, where they they assign this value to everyday items yeah because yeah. They, 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 you know they're not they're not trying to create something that doesn't exist they're not trying to say 
you know, the, the, they know that their audience have not encountered, you know, epic amounts of sci-fi and things like yeah, that. So they're yeah. just like, hey, this flashlight makes things smaller. Yeah. Hey, this is a, this Futami, uh, this takes you to another planet. And these yeah. are all ideas that are just like, are so identifiable. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you can immediately just like latch onto it and be like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's like, and like the door this, that opens up and just takes you to yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, and it's like there's always a, there's always a commodity solution. Yeah. So that like the future and everything that Doraemon represents is is he's just convenience encapsulated, and like you never know what he's going to come up with. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, even though they're they're extravagant everyday items, and I think it's, <laughs> it's just I think it's a, such a cool concept. I love it. <laughs> really it is because it's all it's all in his in this belly pocket, you know, which is enormous. Yeah. He just takes stuff out and you know goes through until he finds what what he needs. Um, I mean, the first film, I think, yes, they're they're very well paced. Generally, I've, I think the first film, the first maybe twenty minutes, is a little bit slow, but then mm. gets going and kind of really gets into its stride. Um, but then the second and third ones, I think, you know, are kind of fantastic from from the word go. Uh, it's worth pointing out. I mean, we watched Blu-ray rips of these films, so you know, they've yeah. been they've been released on Blu-ray uh, in Japan, and, and we watched Blu-ray rips, and you know, they just they look fantastic. And I mean, you know, once I started watching them, I completely forgot I was watching forty-year-old films. Um, completely forgot I was watching forty-year-old films. Mm. I mean, they look fantastic. They're well animated, um, and they're just amazingly good fun. Yeah, they're great. They're like they they do feel like a modern animation. Yeah, they you know? they don't feel like they've dated at all. These films, no. they they really really haven't. No, um, there are some parts of them where like you you you're like, oh Jesus, did that happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think in the second movie when um they're they're breaking into uh the. Well, they're breaking into the space station, aren't they? Or the, the, sorry, yeah. the um, they're yeah, they're breaking into the the, the pirates or the bad guys, the bad guys spaceship thing. Yeah, yeah it's bad guy spaceship thing. And they, 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 he's hired this sort of gun for hire, who's like the one basically meant to stand off against these kids who are now superheroes because yeah. they're from a different planet and their bone structure is stronger. You know, they're they're yeah, yeah. bred under different circumstances. Now they're like <laughs> he just gets shot in the head and that's <laughs> it. You don't see him again. Like I was like, Jesus Christ! Like this kid just lays him out flat with a shot. Yeah, uh, from a, from a pistol, and you're like, my God! He, I, I was like, oh my God! Did that? Did that actually? And yeah, that's it. It just gets shot. Yeah, there is that. There is that. There is that Japanese sensibility about it a bit. Yeah, there's a there's the occasion where you're like, okay, so because you forget, like you say, you you forget these are that old. Yeah. And then it's got things in it. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's definitely that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ray gun and absolutely blasts your man. Like, yeah. Ends, his, ends yeah. his existence. I thought they were going to cut back to like arresting him and everything else. No, they just that was it. Gone. Bye bye. <laughs> But what's really good about them is this, you know, really sort of great bunch of characters. So obviously we've talked about Nobita and Doraemon. There's this sort of group of friends who are all of Nobita's classmates. Yeah. And Shizuka is this girl who's like the really sensible one. And then there's um, Takashi, who they call Giant because he's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Sunio, who's... Um, kind of like giant sort of droog almost isn't he kind of yeah, hangs yeah. around with him yeah 
But the group of friends really works. What each one of them kind of brings to the dynamic is, is really good. Because just trying to impress them, like try and fit in. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting trivia I, I, I saw about this is that is the fact that um, uh, Shizuka is... Uh, Nabita ends up... The, the law, I guess, is that uh, Nabita ends up marrying Shizuka um, and having a child in the future. And that child is the one who sends Doraemon back yes. to Nabita. Yeah. That that's the setup is that like his own his own son is sends this back to make him this person. I just, I just thought like that's another prime example of them just justifying everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like they leave nothing to the imagination on that side of things when they've got endless amounts of imagination and creativity in these things. Yeah, they just yeah, close yeah. off every loophole. Like, well, of course, of that because of this. Yeah, <laughs> there's no speculation. Just, <laughs> they've got it all ironed out. It's yeah, weird. and I think you know, and I can understand why it's the beta. I think is a, I think as a character works really well because he's just kind of normal. Yeah, he's totally normal. He just wants to fit in. He's just being himself. Like it's the struggles of being yeah. an average student, I guess. You know. Yeah, he just kind of drifts along. He messes up regularly. Yeah, he yeah. gets bullied regularly by Giant and Sunio. Um, you know, his parents are always on at him sort of thing. You know, he's a normal kid. Yeah. And I could really understand how lots of other normal kids in Japan could just identify with him. Yeah. Um, all of his, like, sort of... his All the inputs into his life are at least identifi- identifiable by some party. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Him, like, it is inc- exceptionally well thought out Yeah, for how old it is you know yeah. like this this is storytelling way beyond its time yeah and <laughs> oh, completely way agree. beyond completely its time agree. Like, that's what I, I think you know takes me back the most it is it is a master class they are so good because every time i watch them and i watch you know them a couple of times and it was just just kind of got lost in them they're you know they're as good as any pixar or disney or dreamworks movie kids movie animated you know, animated sort of children's movie. Yeah, I think they're just as good. Um, Mm. You know, there's things... I did read that the the movies are actually a bit darker in tone than the the TV series and the specials are. Um, Yeah. They are a bit darker. And I can can see that because in the first film, the the first time the beta jumps in the drawer and goes back in time Mm. to the prehistoric land, you kind of get this flash of the hunter just kind of mysteriously appears briefly in the background yeah. and then you don't see him again for half an hour. And it's, it's little things like that, which, um, you know, are kind of a bit sinister. And yeah. then when they think they found the, the other dinosaurs and they turn out, they found a load of carnivores that want to eat them. And yeah, and, yeah. You know, those things. And when they, they first face off against all of the dinosaur hunters and, and there's real threat to them because they're in danger those yeah. sort of things, it's you can really feel it. You know, it, it portrays that that yeah, sense done, of peril and danger really well. It's a great job of building it up, you know. The, yeah. They, they hop from story beat to story beat to story beat, but they've always got that, like, tied long-term cause effect that they just keep re- revisiting. It yeah. is, like, I, I do think it's way beyond its time. Yeah. These ones, anyway. Because um, like, in the second film, there's those two main baddies that, you know, they're kind of square-faced and square-jawed and, and whatever that you know that they regularly kind of go up against you know they mm. they always there with that threat you know and when the the planet floods and 
you know, the ship gets wrecked and, you know, they're having to get higher ground and all the rest of it. It does really sort of present that. I mean, I can understand yeah. how small kids might find that. And I think the third film, I think, escalates that a little bit more because there's some actually really scary scenes. Um, though I, I think younger children would find really scary in it. Um, the mm. bit where the, the crocodiles attack the paddle boat. Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of really scary. Uh, the bit where Giant falls into the ravine as he's being lowered and he just falls... Yeah, just keeps falling. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, stuff like that. And then like they that. just use, he's just like, oh, don't worry about it, I've got anti-gravity paint. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so there's, always, there's always a get yeah. out in it. There's, there's always, always a get yeah, out in it. There's always the get out of jail free card that he just pulls from his pouch. It's great. Oh, yeah, so cool. yeah. Because every um, time, like he does something, that's what every like I was, I was just audibly under my breath, going genius <laughs> every time. Because <laughs> it's like it, it, the simplicity of the item and the the concept behind it. I was like, this is just yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like the, the one in the um, the dog's called uh, what's he called? Uh, Peko. Peko, yeah. In the third film, the uh, Haunts of Evil, the, the fact that he was a you know a prince of this isolated region or whatever is. I mean, it's hardly surprising. I mean, I think a kid, obviously a, a, a younger child might not see it, but, you know, you can see it a mile off. Yeah, as soon as he goes down, he's got a, like a, as soon as the first vision happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just love how they introduced it as well. They just, <laughs> at one point, he just stood up on all, on two legs and just went, yeah, by the way, I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> just, and it's just, it's just without a ceremony, it's just thrown yeah. in there. And then, yeah. then they go back when, obviously, when they're in the hay bale, and he's like telling him his backstory. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." So all this happened, this happened, this happened, and then, uh, yeah, I learned to speak Japanese. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, "Fair enough, yeah, sure, yeah." Right, let's the, go um, get your kingdom back. Professor Kosu in that, um, who's like the evil genius um, mm. of the dog kingdom. With his black eyes. I think he's really scary looking. He is really scary looking. And then you know what's great? Even better about all of that. What's even better about all of that is that they justify that he's learned to speak Japanese purely on the circumstance of ending up landing in Japan. Yeah. And all these dogs already speak it when they get there. (laughs) And it's just like, they don't even tackle that. Like, they just don't. Oh, it's it's so good. I I cannot get over it. It's so good. Yeah. Because the other thing as well, in um, in the third film, they use these like ancient weapons that have been resurrected from some history. Um, and that feels like something straight out of um, Idion or, or some 80s mecha show. Mm-hmm. You know, 70s, early 80s mecha show. It really feels like it's they've, they've plucked it from that. Um, yeah. I think the three films are, are really, really good. Um, I mean... The second one, uh, Nabita's Space Blazer, there's a run of about 20 minutes of scenes that starts at about the hour mark, runs for about 20 minutes, you know, before they kind of get into the finale. That is just a really good run of scenes. The door portal starts to separate and they have to kind of jump through space um, and they're facing off against the bad guys. and, And there's some really nice, the way it's bits of it are captured, there's this bit where these bits where it kind of goes into four pictures on the on the screen, like a picture-in-picture picture type thing, and creates this kind of collage effect. And it's really effective. And it's a really, really good run of scenes. And it really builds up to the finale really, really well. It's, it's just one of those things, it's the interesting use of drama, 
it's an interesting use of, of animation techniques to kind of break it up a bit and, and show mm. different things. Um, and it's just really, really effective, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I have to say, I think possibly Nabita's Space Blade is possibly my favourite of the three. I, I, I thought it was so really, really good. I mean, the, you know, Chammy, this little furry pink sort of sidekick. You really feel for it sometimes. And it and it, it, he's so forlorn when they have to say goodbye to um, Nabita yeah. and, and Doraemon and stuff. You know, I can imagine... I can imagine five-year-olds crying in the cinema. Yeah, um, at that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what you said there is just so dark. Like, I can just imagine five-year-olds crying in the cinema, <laughs> and I just—it really makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly, yeah, I do think I think the the second one story arc is just, is much more realised. Yeah, um, because you're, you're you're rooting for you know more than just Nabita. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and co in that one. There's 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 more on the line. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it does feel like a a, a more well realized story. Um, the the first one is obviously just very play it safe and indulgent on yeah. the idea of you know a dinosaur. Like kids love dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you can't go wrong with it. You know the dinosaur pet that you have to let go of, and you know I can like it's still like a good self contained story, but it is a you know play it safe. Second one does something that's like kind of more highbrow, I think, more yeah, of a family yeah. movie, more of a family movie. And then yeah, the third one uh, was odd. Yeah, but I like the third it. one was I liked it. Yeah, but yeah. It, you're right, it's a bit odd. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit where, um, like in the third film, where Giant attracts the wild animals um, yeah. with that red cape. Yeah, and then they start beating them all up. They get yeah, yeah, it's just tasered. And... They're just beating the head off of these endangered species. <laughs> and so I, I can imagine the um, the animal rights people having a field day over that one. Uh, yeah, it was just odd. Like the yeah. entire, they're like like we need. They're obviously in the meeting. Like, we need something to happen in this jungle scene. We need like what's, yeah, what's yeah. Doraemon going to do to make this scene unique? And they're like, all right, we'll we'll give we'll give giant. A cape or something that attracts animals. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll have to like fix that one mistake by bringing out all these other items, and then we'll just have them beat the living daylights out of some endangered animals. <laughs> oh yeah, good. It's like yeah. I mean, because Doraemon activates something in every scene. Yeah, that's yeah, his role. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's so good. It's it, I mean, it was the third one was just a little bit weird though. Yeah, because yeah. there's a bit in that. I mean, this is kind of one of the things I like about the setup with Doraemon, you know, the story and everything. But again, it's one of those things that's kind of, as you say, for like the convenience. But so they find this dog. Nabita really wants to keep it. And Nabita's mum has lost her purse and the dog finds it. And, you know, it's a real thing and this panic of not wanting the dad to find out that she's lost the purse with the cards in it and, and all the rest. But then they find the purse and give it back. And then the beta uses that as leverage to, to keep the dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, I like how it kind of plays that real life scenario sort of thing, but it's yeah. just like convenient. <clears throat> you know, I think that's why I think they work so well. Cause that kind of thing, it's, it's relatable. Yeah, but, it's, but it's just kind of crowbar. But it's a scenario. A crafty kid will go, Oh mum, I've done this for you, but you know, can I now do this? It's it's how kids' minds work, sort of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's it's kind of convenient as as well. It's you know it gets the dog uh, and all the rest of it. Mm. Cause I do find in the second one, 
like they think the earthquake's happening, but it's this thing going off in the in the portal with the or the ship being attacked at the other side of this door in the in the portal. Yeah. Um, and uh the beta's parents come rushing in. What are you doing? Why are you making all this noise? We've got to go to work tomorrow, sort of thing. It's it's all those kind of little bits that that really, really make it a relatable family. Yeah, it's drama, just good, solid stuff. family entertainment. Yeah. And all those things and that they you know, then set up the scenarios and the well what's gonna happen really, really well. Having watched them, I'm amazed that they've never been brought over. Yeah, I think there's just a l- I'm really surprised because I think they are really good children's films. You know? I think they are brilliant children's films. I, I, I think the struggle... I'd like to speculate that they're a little too good. <laughs> like for, in the sense that like there's so much competition in the West for that sort of stuff. Yeah, that market yeah. is very, very saturated. Um, I'd like to speculate that you know, the Western market would watch it and be like, Damn! It's genius. We can't yeah. let it take over everything. <laughs> you know, we've got to keep our Western characters and get some our own IP out there. Yeah, Because yeah. I, I mean, I one like of the things I don't know would tra- translate very well because I, I really like Doraemon's voice in these movies. That sort of croaky, screechy kid's yeah, voice. Yeah. You know, it's really effective. I don't know how you maybe would recreate that in the West because I think that kind of shapes the character really, really well. Um, I, I think I know how you do it. I can hear the voice in my head. Oh, okay. I, I struggle to hear it in a, in in English, to be honest. But, it would um, be like um, I'm not sure if the audience would know, but if they've seen a Digimon movie, it would be like uh, Kai, like Kai's voice from Digimon. Oh, uh, right. I'm trying to remember. It's been such a long time since yeah. I watched it with Hang you. Um, I, I, I think it's the one I'm thinking of, Kai. Digimon. It just surprises me that. It's not bigger in the West because the the movies are really good. They're fantastic. They're, you know, they're really effective. They're entertaining. They're fast paced. I mean, all of them are 90 minutes start to finish. And they're just, they're, you know, the right length. They've got peril. They've got, they're funny because um, they are genuinely laugh out loud funny in places as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like in the second one uh, in Nabita Space Blazer where basically some high school baseball team has taken over their the ground where they play baseball and giant has basically bullied nabita into finding somewhere else to play baseball and he finds it on this planet through this space portal it's a great setup so yeah, yeah i just i'm really really surprised having actually sat and watched these films i'm just amazed that doraemon isn't bigger in the west i i thought it would have been prime for and and maybe when they kind of got the wind of the idea of doing it it was a bit late in the day to do it but the movies i could see have been a bit more and maybe a select few of the the specials maybe to introduce it but yeah i I am surprised i am surprised they're great films very well realized worlds and scenarios very well realized characters and, and family situations um it's it's really good it was quite an eye opener I can understand yeah. why it's so successful in Japan. I really can. Yeah, I do. And like, you know, keep going back on it again, it is the, I do think it's storytelling is, you know, way ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I, yeah. I mean, even, well, I wouldn't say way ahead of its time because obviously it did so well. So obviously it was just well received, but like it stands up to it to this day. Mm. Really is what I, I would say. 
a lot of the each movie it kind of does sort of recycle the same character progression. Yes, it um, does. But that's 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 part of the service of of a, of making standalone movies like that. Yeah. Um. But they always like. I, I, I don't I don't feel like we're starting fresh like you know Ash Ketchum does every season. Yes. Uh, yeah. And forgetting how to type battle, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, there are there is a level of consistency to these characters that you would feel more connection with if you'd watched all of them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, and then interestingly, all three of these films got remade mm. with the third TV series cast as well. Um, and I think even the Beatus Dinosaur, uh, that was the I think that's this year's film um, was a was a second remake of it effectively because it's the 40th anniversary basically. Mm. It's got a, a lot of in, you know enduring. You know you can imagine kids who watched it in 1980, um, yeah. the Beatus Dinosaur. Uh, it's the title of this year's the second remake is ever so slightly different. I, I haven't got it written down what it is, but um, but basically, you know, you can imagine like forty years later, my age, you know, taking grandkids or um, you know, their own kids to go and watch this film, and so yeah, I, I went to the cinema and saw the original one, you know, and now I'm watching the, the 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 next generation of these films with the next generation of kids, you know, and enjoying it with their own families as yeah. they might have done with their parents and siblings forty years ago, so. It's got a lovely, you know, it's a lovely kind of wholesomeness to it that that I find that whole thing that generational, yeah, generation after generation can enjoy this thing that is just really lovely and does all the right things and you know because it's a really positive message. It's like it, it, you know, it's saying it's okay to not be perfect, and I think it may be in Japan where there's a lot of pressure on on that type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, on kids and 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 whatever to, you know, to get the salaryman job and 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 everything Form else. And succeed and yeah, expectations. Expectations. And yeah, <clears throat> that there's this character that kind of it messes up and behaves like probably most kids too. Um, you know, I think it's a, a really winning formula. But yeah, you know, and I say it's just, and then it just creates this wholesomeness. It's it's a really it's a really lovely franchise. I think. Mm. Um, I don't think there is a Western equivalent to this, really. No, uh, no, there isn't. I don't think there is. And it's interesting because obviously it's enormous. There's thousands of TV episodes and, you know, so many films and specials and all the rest of it. You know, it's almost impenetrable and and very daunting to to jump into it. But um, I think going into these three films is quite a good glimpse and quite a good entry. And I think, you know, if you just picked up the movies... And and work through some of the movies. Um, you know, I think that would be a good good way of getting a really good feel and a bit of a flavour, and and actually being able to enjoy the the franchise without having to start at the beginning and watch, you know, eighteen hundred episodes of it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's lovely, really. Um, it really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would definitely recommend people. You know, if you've you've been maybe sort of just again seen it wondered what it was you know again maybe a bit put off by how much there is i would say just go in and watch these films start watching the movies we've seen one of the specials as well that came out in 1980 we kind of watched it um 
in this and uh you know similar sort of stories they're great stories so um yeah they are they're very well condensed and watch some of the specials watch the movies you'll get enough of it without having to watch all those tv episodes you know you will enjoy it there's nothing not to like about these films yeah they are they are just super sweet yeah condensed yeah. They're all they're all uh, like <laughs> on the mark one hour thirty as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's formulaic to a yeah. fault. To but a fault. Enjoyable. Yeah. But Super enjoyable, cool. yeah. When I watched so, the second one, that's when it became very evident that there was a very set pattern to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then you watch the third one and it's like, yep, yeah, there is a absolute formula to this. Yeah. Almost to the minute. Yeah. Um yeah, the, the, having all the your inciting incidents happening and all the characters introduced and uh, yeah. trajectories set out by twenty minutes. Yeah, and, um, it's, it's pretty standard, and the rest of it's just a a thrill ride from there. Yeah, um, and that's the thing that kind of just keeps you guessing is Doraemon's influence in each scene. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a winning formula. Uh, what would you rate the movies one by one? So I would give the first one a seven because, like I said, I think that first bit takes a little bit to get going, but once it's in its stride, it's really good. The second one, um, the Beaters, Space Blazer, and the Haunts of Evil, I would both give eight. Although I kind of give the Beaters, Space Blazer, maybe like a high eight because um, that that was my favourite of the trio. That I really, really enjoyed that film. Um, yeah. It's kind of knocking on a nine. I don't think it's outstanding enough to really warrant a nine, but it's you know it's a very, very sort of solid eight. Um, and then the third one, it is strange, but it's enjoyable. It's you know it's paced really well, so I think it deserves an eight as well. How about you? Uh, yeah, from first, second, and third, I would go with eight, nine, and eight. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, nine, just because it, I, I thought it was a more complete story and it wrapped it up really nicely and, and it was just a tidy, uh, yeah, like, just really, yeah, really tidy. Uh, like, yeah, I, yeah. I thought, uh, it was, I thought it was worthy in looking, like, placing it at where it sits in, in history versus, like, stuff I watched today. I'm just like, this is worthy of its title. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. So. I mean, I was a, I'm in an R in on a nine. It's like, do I give it a nine, is it? It's a really great film. And, and if you were going to only go and watch one of these then the records of Nabita's Space Blazer I would would be the one to just go and watch if you if you yeah. want to watch one because I think it is a as you say it's a very complete story it wraps everything up it does everything right it's got you know good peril good setup mm. you know good other supporting characters and it does everything really solidly um it's a really really good kids movie but I think there's stuff in there that adults will enjoy as well I enjoyed this as a 44-year-old man. You know, I really yeah. enjoyed this film. So, uh, so, Doraemon, is it worth its stripes? Yes. Definitely. Has it earned its stripes? Yes. Definitely. Happy 50th anniversary, Doraemon. Yeah, happy 50th anniversary. And here's to Doraemon. another 50. Yeah. And it's still going strong. You know, it's it's massively popular in, in India, as I said, and, and other um, Asian regions and, you know, Vietnam and places like that are, are showing the films now. So... It's kind of getting a renewed, which will, you know, which will continue. Um, I'm going to look it up right now. Can I get a Doraemon inflatable suit for Halloween? <laughs> you must be able to. There we go. We're, we're going to find out. Can you get Come a Doraemon? On Google. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Oh, heavens, that is interesting. Okay, well, it might have to be done. I think, Lewis, you're going to have to save that link and we'll have to post it in one of the... Uh, in a in a tweet when we uh, publish this episode, it'd be it'd be interesting. I'll, um, <laughs> wow, that yeah, that's gonna be got. <laughs> gonna get that one. <laughs> right, at least you, at the very least, I could probably pick up a onesie. Yeah, yeah, there's enough here. I might have to look at. I'll look up a onesie. Definitely, <laughs> might have to get one for. Uh, oh look, three episodes, three films from 1980, and we're already buying merch. Those geniuses. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. Then. Might have to get one for uh, my grandson and your nephew. Yeah, yeah. Get one for Teddy. You won't. I'll get. We'll. We'll, um, we'll get Teddy Doraemon, and we'll get uh, Albi uh, uh, Domo. Yes. Yeah. Domo <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. All right then. Yeah. So there that. we are. So yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Very worthwhile. Follow our recommendation and, and go and. Go and check the franchise out. So what are we going to review next episode? So next time we are going to review a couple of 80s OVAs with a subject that is selfishly close to my heart. So we're going to look at some OVAs that are based on motorcycle racing and we are going to review Circuit Angel and the Bari Bari Densetsu compilation movie that was based on the two episode OVA that came out a year before. So where to find us? You can find us on Twitter at RetroAnime. You can find us on most podcast hosting services. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Overcast FM, Podbean, CastBox, Podcast Attic and Pocket Casts. And I say most services just by searching for RetroAnime Podcast. Please like, subscribe and leave us a review. It does really, really help with the uh, visibility of the show. Um, we have a website, retroanimepodcast.com. Email direct, ian at retroanimepodcast.com. I'm quite active on the Anime UK news forums where my username is orgun, O-R-G-U-N. Please also follow my Mecha podcast, Retro Mecha podcast. Find that on Twitter at Retro Mecha and all the same hosting sites as this. So... There we have it, Lewis. Um, That's the one. Having, and All the niceties are out of the way. Yeah, a nice, interesting delve into a, a very popular franchise, which has certainly helped open my eyes up um, a bit more about it, I think. Indeed. Cool. Until next time, Doraemon. <laughs> Jumping into that magic drawer and flying through time. <laughs> yeah. They just released a game on Steam, actually, uh, last week. Oh, really? Yeah, Tale of Seasons, I believe it's called. 
Oh, okay. What's it? No, what's it called here? I've got, I've got it here. Um, Doraemon's Story of Seasons. Wow. Um, well, there you go. It's on, it's on Steam and and uh, it's on Switch and other platforms. Apparently, it's really bloody good. So, oh, wow. uh, if you're in, in the mood for a, a, a Harvest Moon style game, which is just a a feel good classic, it's uh, it's like hand painted environments as well with watercolor. And oh, this wow. is not an ad, by the way. This is just <laughs> this, this is me. Just I had to look it up because I was like, bloody hell, they released a game four days ago. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing how enduring a franchise it is. And, yeah, incredible. You know, it just doesn't show any signs of going down in popularity. Mm. Um, if anything, it just seems to be growing. If you look at its popularity, the way it's grown in various regions of Asia, it's you know its popularity is, is continuing to to grow. So, um, you know, as you said, I, I can imagine it certainly being around in another fifty years. Very uh, endearing legacy, I think. Mm. And then on that note, we'll wrap up yeah. the uh, podcast there. So until next time, bye bye for now. Bye bye, bye everybody. See you on the MotoGP track. <laughs> Yeah, as I love my 80s Japanese sports bikes, so, um, <laughs> so we're about, the, we're about these OVAs are, are perfect uh, foil and fodder for me, so uh, like yeah. I say, I'm going a bit selfish and indulging myself, so... That's fair enough. You're just going to have to go along with it. Yeah, uh, alright. <laughs> I'll just be making tasteless initial D jokes and that are totally misplaced. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just ruining it for you. Uh, I think there'll be interesting reviews. I think I'd be interesting to see what you think because I, th- I think they're very much of their time. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what you think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Right. Well, anyway, we'll end it properly this time. Lube out. Bye, everybody. The opening and closing music of the podcast is the opening theme to Brave of the Sun Firebird, copyright to Sunrise Studios. All other music used within the podcast is copyright to its respective creator.